it's Senior Sunday, which is a really exciting day. For those of you who don't know me, my, my name is Caleb, and I am uh, the youth minister here. Uh, and just really good to see all of you. If you're watching from at home, really glad that you're still participating, finding ways to join us here. Um, Senior Sunday, it's, it's pretty special. Uh, uh, I think for, for obviously the families and for me, but also for just us as a church, uh, we've, uh, for a lot of these kids, they've been here for a long time, and they've been growing up at this church, and they've moved here, and they've been welcomed into this church, and now as they have graduated high school, uh, and they are transitioning into this new phase of life, uh, some of them are heading off uh, to far away lands like Texas, some are staying here locally, but they're entering into this new phase of life where, yes, they will always be their parents' children, but they're no longer children per se. They are these new uh, emerging adults that are now navigating this new chapter of life, and they're asking this question of, what, does, what, is this, what life direction do, does my life go? What, am I, what, do, what do I do now that I am... am on my own a bit more than usual. And I think as we, we ask this question, um, there's a story that I, I want to tell that kind of ground us in the, this quest or this un uncertainty for what our purpose or mission is. Uh, it's, it's this topic, it's in some circles, it's a little controversial. Um, certainly in my family, it creates quite the, uh, quite the debate and argument, and that is self-checkout lanes. Um, in my family, self-checkout lanes uh, cause quite the, uh, the argument. My, uh, several members of my family think that the self-checkout lanes at Walmart and Target are the second worst thing to the devil. Um, that Walmart, uh, Target is this mythical land for most of Oklahoma, so that Walmart should be hi uh, hiring employees to, to kind of check your items and check you out, and that you, when you go to buy your groceries, you should have to interact with another person, right? There, there's this exchange of, 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 of money as also just you should be interacting, right? You shouldn't be able to have it all done by these robotic machines. Uh, I, as a 24-year-old uh, introvert, would love to not talk to anybody anywhere in a grocery store, <laughs> right? Like if I can go to Walmart or Target not say a word to anybody, have no one say a word to me in and out, that's, that's a really good day. Um, and I, when I have this discussion with my family and we kind of go back and forth on the self-checkout lanes, I, I try to describe to them why I feel so strongly about it. And it's because there's this time where I, I must have been 11 or 12, and I'm with my mom at Walmart and we're in line to check out, right? We've got this, this grocery cart full of groceries and whatnot, you know, it's full. And there's a few people in front of us, and my mom goes, I forgot something. I forgot something, and you need to hold. I'm going to go get it real quick. You, you poor 11-year-old with no money to your name, hold my spot in line. So there goes off my mom to find this, this missing item, and I'm standing in line with this full grocery cart. And one person finishes, and the line inches forward. You know, I'm watching, and this person, the person in front of me only has like two or three items. The next person finishes, the line's moving forward, and then, you know, I, I start panic sweating. Because what do I do? I have no money. I, I'm 11. I'm in sixth grade. I have no money. 
the shopping carts full. Where is my mom? Fortunately, my mom, uh, she get, makes it a time right before the person in front of us checks out. You know, all things uh, are avoided. So the next time we go to Walmart, uh, once again, full shopping cart. My mom says, we're getting in line. My mom says, forgot something. And I said, change of plans right here. You stay here, and I'm going to go find this item. Um, Unfortunately, it wasn't like it was microwave popcorn or something easy to find. It was some random abstract kitchen utensil that is still strange to me today that I am now like sprinting through the hallways of Walmart trying to find this, trying to accomplish this task uh, so I can get back to, to my mom before we had to check. I didn't make it in time, so she had to send me money. And I, I, so all that to say... Those tasks, those missions of either having to hold down the cart in the line or go find this item are, are why I feel so strongly about self-checkout lines today. And I think it's a helpful illustration, though, that when we're given this new task or this new mission that can create some, uh, maybe some uncertainty or some tension or some anxiety there. Uh, I remember when I graduated high school and I'm a, a freshman at Harding in Searcy, and this was the first time in my life that uh, I didn't have any major parental oversight. You know, I didn't have any, I didn't have my parents saying, Caleb, you need to go do this. You need to do X, Y, and Z. I, me and my roommate, we were completely on our own. It's our first day at Harding, first night in the dorms. And it's just like, I can do anything with my life I want to right now. There's no one telling me. And we thought the best way to use that newfound freedom was to go buy as much Dr. Pepper as possible because we thought that was what the epitome of, of freedom and control looks like. You know, I, I knew I had these general directions, right? Like I should go, I should go to class while I'm at Harding. That is probably a good thing. Uh, I didn't do that my freshman year and my grades suffered. But I had this, for the first time in my life, I had this new found freedom and this new direction that I was trying to figure out what that looks like. And for our recent graduates, no matter if they're going far or staying near, they're in this new phase. They're asking, what do I do now? You know, like what, my parents may or may not be over my shoulder, or maybe I can just, it's easier for me to hit the, uh, the silence button on my phone when they call. You know, what, what do I do now? Or what am I supposed to be doing? What is my life supposed to look like now? Uh, and even though this is, there can be some uncertainty, we ask that questions of ourselves as a church too. You know, there's some things we, when we become a new Christian, uh, you know, we, we dive in and we start, and then after a little bit, it's like, okay, what does this life look like now? What's the next step? Uh, what do I do? So as our graduates head into this new phase of life, we're asking, what does this mean for all of them? And what does this mean for us as a church, and I want us to ground this in John chapter 20. If you're following along, uh, if you're old school and you still have a physical Bible, we'll be in John chapter 20, uh, verses 19, verse 19 through 23. It says, When it was evening on that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side, so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. 
And after saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Um, I, I love this story. The Gospel of John is, is my favorite gospel of all the four. If we're familiar with the Great Commission at the end of Matthew, this is John's version of the Great Commission. And I think it's helpful for us to ground it in the larger context of what's happening with the disciples and the early church and what's going on here in John. Uh, prior before this, the disciples, they've been following Jesus for the past several years, and they've had this plan, right? They know that Jesus is going to come, and he's going to restore the kingdom of God. Now, the disciples may or may not have been a bit confused on what exactly that kingdom looked like, but they knew this was the plan, and, then, uh, and they knew they had made some not-so-great friends with the Jewish authorities, well, Jesus is uh, murdered on the cross, and all of a sudden, these disciples who had such a sure plan behind such a sure leader and teacher are, maybe they're left kind of wondering, uh, what, what happens now? Or what do we do now? Or where do we go? So they've, they've hidden themselves in this room. The doors are locked. They don't want to be found by the Jewish authorities. You know, they want, to, they want to try and figure out what's going on. Mary Magdalene has just come and told them, hey, I saw Jesus. He's resurrected. He's alive. And you can imagine they're trying to process this new information. Like, we saw him die. Um, we saw, we know, I mean, we saw his body get put in the tomb. Mary is now telling us that he's alive. What, what, what do we do? Right, And you can imagine that this room, it's filled with some, uh, maybe some uncertainty. Uh, it's maybe a bit chaotic. Maybe there's some anxiety as they try to figure out what is this next look. And I love how John just says, then Jesus appeared. Right? He doesn't give any more info on how exactly Jesus got into this locked room. But Jesus appears and greets them by saying, peace be with you. Um, in this moment where there is so much uncertainty about what the next uh, steps and the next uh, plan, whatever that looks like, Jesus' first words to them are, peace be with you. And he says to them, as the Father has sent me, I send you. One of the things I love about this, this text and what John is doing is that all throughout the Gospel of John, there is passage after passage, story after story, where uh, God has been sending the Son. You know, we see this in, in John, uh, John chapter 3 and John chapter uh, 6. Um, in John 3, 16, 17, it's one we all know pretty well. It says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And then in John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And those are just a couple examples throughout the Gospel of John where Jesus is saying, I did not come here to do my own thing. I have come here because the Father has sent me to accomplish his will. And now as we, we, we kind of near the end of the Gospel of John, and right before the, all the events in the book of Acts start taking place, Jesus is saying to the disciples, just as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Um, and I love how John incorporates, and Jesus emphasizes the whole trinity, all persons of the Godhead. The Father has sent Jesus. Jesus is sending the disciples, and the disciples are going to be blessed 
with the Holy and gifted with the Holy Spirit. And this same uh, commission, the same mission given to disciples is the same that's true for us as Christians. Uh, God is sending us into the world. Jesus has sent us as his representatives, gifted with the Holy Spirit, to, be, to join in what God's plan, what God's mission is for, uh, for, this, for this world. And it reminds me, it kind of grounds what I think of as we celebrate and get ready to send off our, our graduates into this new phase of life. Um, for just, uh, Patrick alluded to this when introducing, we, we've, a lot of these kids have come up through uh, Kingdom Club and through a children's ministry and through youth ministry. Um, and it reminds me of the, the famous passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, this, this famous passage where the Israelites are given this command to say, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. The Israelites were given this command to teach their children to have a full love uh, and, and seeking after the Lord, to love God with their entire being. This was passed on to the children. This is part of what we try to do here at Woodbury. You know, as our kids come up, we are trying to teach them uh, to love the Lord our God and to teach them knowledge of God. Uh, we do this when we, we welcome uh, new uh, family members into the faith, right? Uh, Paul describes it as infants in faith, and we're giving them uh, spiritual milk, right? We are trying to instruct and to, to teach them to love the Lord with all their heart. But there's a point in the Christian life when we all uh, we kind of go, we, we're always learning, but we go from, um, you could say, immature or, or children of faith to being mature Christians and to being uh, fathers and mothers in faith who care and who are sent out on mission. Um, there's a, a, a well-known uh, missiologist and, uh, who writes a lot about uh, what the church should be doing missionally in America. His name's Ed Stetzer. Uh, he, he writes a lot about how churches should be engaging in communities and not be so inward focused. Um, and Ed Stetzer, he says, uh, all of God's people are sent on mission. The only questions are where and among whom. For many of us, uh, the, we're, we're all sent on mission. For many of us, the where has become the greater Twin Cities. Um, for whatever reason, whether family or job, or we're, because we're born here, um, we're, the where of where we join God's mission is here in the greater Twin Cities. And we partner with fellow believers uh, that we, we come together here at Woodbury Church of Christ. We partner with other believers so we can go join God's mission in our surrounding community of the Twin City metros. Our graduates, whether they're going down to the depths of Texas or staying here, are now fully joining in this mission. Uh, they are going and being sent out by God and by us as a church. Um, and there can be some uncertainty there. Uh, there can be uncertainty maybe from, uh, from parents to, to let them go. I remember uh, when, I, when I graduated, my, my mom and dad uh, were very conscious about not texting me too much. 
Uh, I didn't know that at the time. I would talk to other friends, and they're like, you know, yeah, my, my mom texts me every single day. And I was like, they call me maybe every two weeks. And I thought, I was like, I found out later that they were trying to let me kind of grow or, or kind of have this experience on my own. Um, they, they wanted to let me attempt to figure out what I'm doing. You know, what, where is my life going? There can be some uncertainty, some excitement. But I also remember when I was 18 on my own or in this new phase, like being a quote-unquote adult, what do I even do? You know, I, you know, what am I supposed to be doing with my life right now? And uh, it's a bit cliche, but I think there's a, there's a children's book that I think is, is uh, fitting for this new phase of life. And I understand it could be a little cheesy, but I want to take uh, a few minutes to read, oh, the places you'll go uh, as it relates to us as a church and to, to our teens um, who have just graduated. Congratulations. Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know. And you are the guy or gal who will decide where to go. You'll look up and down streets, look them over with care. About some, you will say, I don't choose to go there. With your head full of brains and your shoes full of feet, you're too smart to go down any not-so-good street. And you may not find any you'll want to go down. In that case, of course, you'll head straight out of town. It's opener there in the wide open air. Out there, things can happen and frequently do to people as brainy and footsy as you. And when things start to happen, don't worry, don't stew. You'll go right along. You'll start happening, too. Oh, the places you'll go. You'll be on your way up. You'll see, be seeing great heights. You'll join the high flyers who soar to high heights. You won't lag behind because you'll have the speed. You'll pass the whole gang and you'll soon take the lead. Wherever you fly, you'll be the best of the best. Wherever you'll go, you will top all the rest. Except when you don't, because sometimes you won't. I'm sorry to say, but sadly it's true, that bang-ups and hang-ups can happen to you. You can get all hung up in a prickly perch, and your gang will fly on, you'll be left in a lurch. You'll come down from the lurch with an unpleasant bump, and the chances are then that you'll be in a slump. And when you're in a slump, you're not in for much fun. Unslumping yourself is not easily done. You'll come to a place where the streets are not marked. Some windows are lighted, but mostly they're darked. A place you could sprain both your elbow and chin. Do you dare to stay out? Do you dare to go in? How much can you lose? How much can you win? And if you go in, should you turn left or right? Or right in three quarters? Or maybe not quite? Or go around back and sneak in from behind? Simple it's not, I'm afraid you will find. For a mind maker upper to make up his mind. You can get so confused that you'll start in to race down long wiggled roads at a brick, uh, brick-necking pace and grind on for miles across weirdish wild space, headed, I feared, toward most useless place, the waiting place. For people just waiting, waiting for a train to go, or a bus to come, or a plane to go, or the mail to come, or the rain to go, or the phone to ring, or the snow to sow, 
or waiting around for a yes or no or waiting for their hair to grow. Everyone is just waiting. Waiting for the fish to bite or waiting to, for wind to fly a kite or waiting around for Friday night or waiting perhaps for their Uncle Jake or a pot to boil or a better break or a string of pearls or a pair of pants or a wig with curls or another chance. Everyone is just waiting. But no, that's not for you. Somehow you'll escape all that waiting and staying. You'll find the bright places where boom bands are playing. With banner flip-flapping, once more you'll ride high, ready for anything under the sky. Ready because you're that kind of guy. Oh, the places you'll go, there's so much fun to be done. There are points to be scored, there are games to be won. And the magical things you can do with that ball will make you the winningest winner of all. Fame, you'll be famous as famous can be, with the whole wide world watching you win on TV. Except when they don't, because sometimes they won't. I'm afraid that sometimes you'll play lonely games too. Games you can't win, because you'll play against you. All alone, whether you like it or not, alone will be something you'll be quite a lot. And when you're alone, there's a very good chance you'll meet things that scare you right out of your pants. There are some down the road between hither and yon that can scare you so much you won't want to go on. But on you will go, though the weather be foul. On you will go, though your enemies prowl. On you will go through the hacking crocs howl. Onward up many a frightening creek, though your arms may get sore and your sneakers may leak. On and on you'll hike, and I know you'll hike far and face up to your problems, whatever they are. You'll get mixed up, of course, as you already know. You'll get mixed up with many strange birds as you grow. So be sure when you step, step with care and great tact, and remember that life's a great balancing act. Just never forget to be dexterous and deft, and never mix up your right foot with your left. And you will succeed. Yes, you will indeed. 98 and 3 quarter percent guaranteed. Kid, you'll move mountains. So be your, uh, be your name Buxbaum or Bixby or Bray or Mordecai, Ali, Van Allen, O'Shea. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting. So get on your way. Amen. To our graduates, I know this next uh, months and years, there can be un some uncertainty and there can be some anxiety. To our parents, um, I, I, I can't speak from your side, but I can speak from being a graduate. I know that there's going to be some weeks and months of anxiety and uncertainty. But we as a church family here at Woodbury are excited to see the type of, of men and women that you become, the type of, of, of men and women that you, you grow into. Uh, we're excited to see the places you go, whether near and far. Uh, in a moment, we're going to invite all of our families of our graduates to come up. Uh, and we're gonna, they're going to pray over you, but we just want you to know that um, God has this, this, this mission for all of us as a church, and God has invited each and every single one of us to join, join him in that, no matter where that is. And for our graduates, God has personally invited each one of you to join him, no matter if it's near or far, no matter the places you go. Um, take a moment to invite our families up. Uh, Steve is going to, to pray for our, our graduating families, I think. Um, so.
So on, on behalf of the whole church, the eldership, uh, we're, we're it's, it's hard watching this stuff. You know, you're talking about the parents. I, I remember in my kids and uh, in this moment, and then, and then I, because I know you guys, I, my heart goes out to you. So let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for being a part of family, for these seniors, the families that you have placed them in, uh, the way that you have guided their parents and the way that you have guided them and and father for the places that they'll go next the things that they will experience we know that your spirit goes with them and will continue to guide them and father we we praise you for that that you never leave us alone that you are always there for us even when we feel alone father for the separation that will uh, come. We, we pray that you will bring peace uh, and that you will allow your spirit to comfort them. Father, we pray and ask for your favor to go with these graduates throughout their lives as you have been with them and their families. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.